Hello, and welcome to the Prepared Parent Podcast, the podcast that aims to help you become a better parent through science and the Montessori method. Today's topic is punishments and consequences. Before we begin, I would just like to state that my podcast, I am not here to judge anyone. I believe all parents that are listening to this podcast are putting forth their best effort. I believe most parents in general, whether or not they're listening to this podcast, are putting forth their best effort, and they're using the tools available to them, whether or not they are good tools. So as I'm talking today, there might be some controversial issues or things that make you feel uncomfortable. And if that happens, I would just want you to take a deep breath and take a step back and consider why you feel the way you do and what I'm saying and if there's anything you would like to change or not. And again, remember, I'm not here to judge you or anyone else about parenting. I'm here to offer better solutions and informed and inform your decisions. So today we're talking about punishments and consequences. And these things are not created equal. So to begin with, let's talk about punishments. Punishments are things that parents implement to try to discipline their children, or actually to punish their children for misbehavior. There's a difference between disciplining and punishing, and there are a difference between consequences and punishing. So punishment, for the sake of our conversation today, means that you are in some way harming your child physically, mentally, or emotionally. Punishments are usually motivated by a desire to punish a child for a misbehavior. Punishments are often, you will often feel angry when instituting them, or smug, or superior, or in control. Often punishments are about controlling your children. These are generalizations, but for the sake of this conversation today, This is how we are discussing punishments. So so a classic example of a punishment is spanking. Spanking physically harms your child. And it is done in order to hurt your child so that they learn to stop a behavior. First and foremost, I want to present that new research suggests that spanking is completely ineffective. It actually results in worse behavior over time. It harms the child's brain and interferes with their ability to develop good social skills and executive functioning and making good choices just in general. So please do not spank your children. We are going to be talking about other solutions today. And if you do have a moment where you lose your cool and employ some methods that your parents used on you, Be kind to yourself, apologize to your child, and try again. Parenting is a skill, and we practice it until we are better parents. So yes, spanking is a punishment. Another example of a punishment might be deliberately running over a baseball glove that was left in the driveway to teach your child not to do it again. Now your child has lost trust in you because they feel like They and their things only matter to you if they're obeying you. 
We never want our children to feel like our love is conditional on our obeying them. We can look at our children and say, I love you and I do not want to hurt you by hurting this thing. You left it, and so instead, you know, you left this in the driveway and I can confiscate it for a day or a week or what have you. A reasonable amount of time based on the age. And then they learn, if I leave my glove out, I can't have access to it. But they also know that you as their parent loves them and are trying to teach them and not harm them. Some other examples of punishments. Um, There was a viral story on the internet the other day that I read about a man and a daughter. And the daughter tried to frame the housekeeper for stealing her phone in order to get her fired. And the father had evidence of this and decided the daughter's punishment would be camping in the backyard because she was a germaphobe and she couldn't use that as an excuse to be rude to people or something along those lines. And that was a punishment. You know, he deliberately chose something that would make his daughter uncomfortable. And I would also like to point out that punishments are usually not there to teach. Punishments are there to control a behavior, not to teach a better behavior. What does the daughter learn from being sent to the backyard to camp? Does she learn not to frame the housekeeper? Or does she just learn not to get caught? Does she learn the moral implications of why that was wrong? Does she understand the full repercussions of her actions? I think all it taught her was that she was going to get punished in an uncomfortable way. So punishments are largely ineffective. Now that's not to say that you shouldn't try to control your child's behavior. As I've mentioned before in the boundaries episodes, it is important to lay down boundaries and expect them to be followed. It's important to expect your child, children to follow moral codes. And you as the parent, yes, it is your job to lay down those rules and to enforce them. But there are more effective ways to go about it that will help your child grow as a person. So I'm here to teach you about some of those today. We're going to be talking about consequences next. Consequences are parent-led um, they can be parent or natural-led consequences. So we're going to talk about logical consequences first. Logical consequences are parent-led, and they are what the parent institutes in order to control a behavior. So when we're looking to control our children's behavior, if your thought is, what can I do that will make them, that will be unpleasant, that will make them unhappy, or that they will hate? so that they will know not to do this behavior again, then whatever you're about to institute is most likely a punishment and not a consequence. With a consequence, we think, how can I teach my child not to do this again? How can I help my child learn to do better next time? So, a logical consequence is parent-led and it needs to fit the crime. So for example, my child is potty trained, but he still has regular accidents every day. And 
I'm pretty sure that he is pushing boundaries at this point. And so, the logical consequence I have instituted is, if you continue to pee in your pants today, you will need to wear a diaper for the rest of the day. Because big boys wear underwear if they can keep them dry. And if you can't keep your underwear dry, you will need to wear a diaper. This is a logical consequence. It directly fits the problematic behavior and it directly teaches we keep our underwear dry or we can't use it. Some more examples of logical consequences might be because you didn't brush your teeth this morning, you cannot have sugar cereal at breakfast time. If it's in the same morning, that's logical and direct. So I have seen people sometimes institute age-inappropriate consequences. So an example of this would be expecting your toddler to obey immediately the first time. Toddlers act out of compulsion and a need to develop themselves. It's all about building their brain. Whatever they do, they're building their brain. And that's not to say that you can't expect obedience, but saying, I need you to do this and expecting it to be done immediately, and if it's not swooping in to physically force them to, violates their independence and it violates their physical space. And it also teaches them to be scared of you rather than teaches them to do as they're told. So a better one that I like to use on toddlers is, it is time to put that away. You can do it or I can do it. And give them about 10 seconds counted out in your head. And when you get to 10, just say, okay, I'm going to do it now. And almost always your toddler does not want their free will taken and they will choose to do it because they want to do everything by themselves as We all know toddlers are very independent. Um, But there's also a lot of times I see parents try, they try to do a delayed consequence. And with young children, this is very ineffective. This, this is, this, you can do this with teenagers and with older children, but with young children, it's ineffective because they don't have the capacity to see how that consequence is related to the action they took five hours earlier, or even an hour earlier. That's an abstract concept. And young children are very physical, concrete, hands-on thinkers. So when we are instituting consequences for our young children, they need to be fairly immediate and fairly recognizable. So if you don't put that away, I will come put it away for you. If you throw your toy, I will take it away. And the other thing at this age is breaks are all you need. Um, You know, you don't take the toy away for the whole day because they'll probably forget about whatever they did that got it taken away. And really what we want to do is give them the opportunity to practice using the toy appropriately. We need to give it back and give them the chance to try again and try again. So you can do timeouts if they're brief, about one minute per year is appropriate. And you can take things away, but again, for brief periods of time, about one minute 
per year is appropriate. So we don't throw our cars. You can first try redirection. You may go throw a ball instead. If they don't choose to do that and they throw their car again, I am going to take your cars if you throw them again. Always tell them first what the consequence will be so that they can weigh the consequence and the choice and make their own choice. It's by practicing making their choices that they will learn how their behaviors influence the world around them and influence them and how those influences will affect, excuse me, how the consequences will affect them. They're learning to choose actions versus consequence. And this is an important skill because as an adult, and you are always presented with opportunities and very often the opportunities you're presented aren't right or wrong, good or bad. They are simply, I can do this and lose the chance to do that, or I can do that and lose the chance to do this. You're always making trade-offs. All the choices you make as an adult are trade-off choices. So when we tell our children first, here's the consequence that is coming if you make that action, they get the chance to weigh that those trade-offs. And they get practice in making those decisions, and they get practice in making decisions for themselves, and they learn how to become more competent individuals. It's an important skill. So always tell them first. So first you try misdirection, redirection, excuse me, redirection. Then you say state what the consequence will be, and then you enact it. If you throw that car again, I will take it. And they throw it again, and you take it, and again, a break. One minute per age is appropriate. And then you can give it back to them so that they can try again to use it appropriately and practice using things as they are meant to be used. And naturally, if you find that they are really continuing to have a hard time, you might just take the toy away overnight and just not give it back for a couple days until you're able, you as a parent, have the mental capacity to deal with it again. Because parents need breaks too. And it's okay to remove things from the environment that are causing a problem. Now, for older children, you can implement consequences that are, you know, a couple hours apart. Um, that's perfectly fine because they're capable of understanding the abstract concept and the concept of time. Um, so, for an example, I one time saw a parent try to control their toddler's behavior. They would have ice cream every day after dinner, but only if the toddler behaved all day. And so when it became dinner time after dinner, she would say, oh, you can't have ice cream today because you misbehaved when you went to the store with me at 10 a.m. this morning. And the child looked visibly confused. They could not grasp a, why is having ice cream related to what I did at the store? And B, you know, I did that a long time ago. What's that got to do with this right now? Children live in the moment. So that would be an example of an inappropriate consequence. And to help you understand what I'm talking about. But I've given you some ideas of more appropriate consequences. So when we choose our consequences as parents, we need to focus on things that are logical and for young children, direct, immediate. For older children, they just need to be logical. 
And your child is more likely to follow the consequence if you've had a conversation beforehand about it. So you might sit down and say, you need to be home from your friend's house at six o'clock for dinner. If you're not home from your friend's house, what would be a reasonable consequence? And they can help you come up with those. Or you can say, if you're not home from your friend's house at six o'clock, you will not be able to eat dinner. Do you think that's a fair consequence? And they might say yes, or they might say no, I should still be able to eat dinner, but you can make me do the dishes. And you can come to a compromise. And if that doesn't work, you can sit down in another few days and sit down one more time and say, the consequence we agreed on is that you would do the dishes if you were late from your friend's house, but you have chosen to do the dishes all week and you are still coming home late from your friend's house. I think we need to come up with a new consequence because it's important that you are on time for dinner. And then you can revisit it. You need to just be aware of your boundaries and your rules and institute fair punishments. Excuse me, fair consequences. We don't use punishments. So the second type of consequence is a natural consequence. These are very, very important, and parents constantly are trying to prevent them without realizing it. So a natural consequence happens based on the child's action. So if their child pees their pants, their pants are wet, and that's uncomfortable. That's a natural consequence. Another natural consequence is if I put my child on the kitchen stool and our kitchen chair to watch at the counter and they're not careful, they can fall off the chair. But once they have fallen off the chair, they have learned they need to be more aware of their space. So as parents, we want to protect our children. It's our job to protect our children. We don't want them to come to harm. And so very often we're a little overprotective. Get down from there. Stop that. You're going to hurt yourself. And this is of course important to do if they're going to cause major harm. If my child is one year old and going to fall five feet off the playground, they are going to get very hurt and I need to step in. But if my child is two year old and they are being a little bit wild on the kitchen chair at the counter and I tell them, if you do that, you might fall off, it's okay to let them fall off because they're probably not going to majorly hurt themselves. So as parents, we're constantly stepping in and stopping them, you know. Don't pull your hair out. I just did your hair. Why are you taking it out? But really, does it matter if your child's hair is made or not? It is their hair, and it is their choice to wear it how they want to. And you might want it to look nice, and you can certainly put your best effort to do that, but it's okay to let them make their choice because they might decide they don't like it messy and they will leave it put in next time, or they might decide they like their hair down and they want that respected. So we're constantly stopping children from making choices that only affect them, and we need to, as much as possible, take a deep breath and say, you can make that choice. Or very often, oh, you know, don't play on the slide right now, it's wet and we prevent them from making a choice, we need to say instead, if you slide down that slide, you will get wet. 
you may choose to do that if you would like to, but you should know that you will get wet. So rather than stopping our child from making a choice, we can present to them, here is what will happen if you do. Here's what the natural consequence will be, but you may choose to do that. That is a trade-off they may choose to make. You know, you can choose to get wet, but if you do, we will go home so I can change you into dry clothes. Or you can choose to get wet, but then you will need to stay wet until we get home. And you begin presenting these consequences so they can think about them and begin to understand how things work on their own terms. When we say, no, I don't want you to get wet right now, we actually are preventing that learning opportunity. We're also preventing their experience of the world around them. That's how children build their brains, is by experiencing as many things as possible. So before you stop your child, take a deep breath and ask, who does it hurt? What does it hurt? How much will it hurt? So, if I cannot afford to get my child a new toy, I will probably not allow him to break it. But if he's being rough with a toy and it breaks and he will be sad, but I know that he will get a new toy or he doesn't need that extra toy or, you know, it isn't a favorite toy or whatever, I might let him break it so that he learns that if he's rough with his toys, they break. And then he doesn't have a toy anymore. And that's devastating. But wouldn't you much rather they learn that younger so they can not make that mistake when it's a more when it's a bigger mistake as an older child or an adult so those are natural consequences and i do hope this discussion was helpful for you today um I decided not to use my Facebook group because I don't actually like Facebook. I will be working on building a blog and I will link that when it is made. So look for that probably next episode. Um, I enjoyed talking with you all today and I hope you join me next time to learn more about how to help your children. Goodbye.